Blog Talk Radio. We believe in the American way, and we built this country called the USA, and we fly our flag because we're proud and free, we're Americans. Red, white, and blue is our way of life, we never back down from a challenge or a fight, nature provides, God gives the rights, we're Americans. Make up America But it's amazing America Welcome, patriots, to our Convention of States podcast titled That Provident Article, a reference given to Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution by James Madison. Our opening theme music is Amazing America, used by permission of Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, and endorsers of the Convention of States Project. This podcast series is a weekly discussion concerning the fifth article of the U.S. Constitution, the amending provision, with a general view on the phrase Convention for Proposing Amendments and specific focus on the Convention of States Project. For more information regarding the Convention of States Project, please visit www.conventionofstates.com. My name is Paul Hodson. And I've been a volunteer with the Convention of States Project in Texas since early 2014. Our goal is to continually educate ourselves on Article 5, to bring timely information relating to the Convention of States Article 5 movement, and to promote the use of Article 5 to rein in our federal government. Our contact information here at That Provident Article, my email address, TexasDC for HD58 at gmail.com. That's Texas, D is in district, C is in captain, the number 4, H is in house, D is in district, the number 5, the number 8, at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter handle is the same, at TexasDC for HD58. You can go to our Blog Talk Radio website, blogtalkradio.com, TexasDC for HD58. And we're on iTunes now. You can search for that Provident article and you'll find us out on iTunes. Uh, A reminder, our call-in number for the call-in portion of the show, 914-205-5632. We're an amazing America. And welcome to our August 29th podcast of that Provident article. We're going to jump right into the Convention of States news. Um, Lots of things happening going on this week and certainly a big week coming up next week. We'll get right into that. Uh, First up, I invite you again to look at the Convention of States website, the news tab. Uh, Lots of stories there. There are various news stories detailing the overreach of the federal government, uh, including a story about the USDA creating jobs just by buying snowmobiles and fire trucks. Uh, One of the U.S. is dropping in the overall freedom ranking worldwide and that is citing our increased invasion of privacy, the decline of economic freedom, increased government regulations. Those are three separate, uh, that's one separate story. Uh, Another story has to do with the EPA withholding documentation regarding the Colorado mine spill uh, earlier this month. And even the federal government attempting to impose regulations now on Pizza Hut regarding calories for every possible combination of pizza that they could make. Um, There's also some numerous uh, opinion pieces posted out on on the news site this week, some written by supporters, 
uh, some by editorialists uh, like uh, an old friend of ours, Cal Thomas, and some by scholars like Dr. Merrill Matthews and by Professor Rob Nadelson. Go check out the site. Always uh, up-to-date news there. There's going to be a lot of things happening out on the Convention of States website. This uh, past Wednesday on August 26th, uh, right here in uh, my neck of the woods in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, it was actually in, in downtown Dallas, the Heartland Institute launched their new Center for Constitutional Reform. Um, and they had leading Article 5 proponents presenting there. I had the opportunity to to attend, to meet a few of these people. I was able to meet with uh, David Goldenshoe of the Balanced Budget Amendment Task Force. Uh, had a had a great conversation with him. Uh, representing the Convention of States was Senator Tom Coburn. Um, I've met Senator Coburn before. Um, he had a great presentation. The uh, Heartland Institute uh, has uh, on their website www.heartland.org. They have a new section for this Center for Constitutional Reform. They promise to have video of the presentation posted there at some point. It's not there yet. I checked it uh, just late today. And uh, they hope to have that posted. I, I would recommend that you get out there. Um, Nick Dranius from the Com uh, Compact for America uh, was also presenting, uh, and there was a panel discussion, and the uh, closing speaker was Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, uh, also one of the endorsers of the Convention of States project. Uh, again, I encourage you to go out to their website, uh, see what they're doing. They are uh, con considering all methods uh, for reigning in the federal government, and they just want to be a, a conduit for all these organizations to uh, to approach their state legislatures. And finally, the biggest news coming up, and that's what's going to be happening uh, next week, uh, Mark Levin is going to begin national advertising for the Convention of States project beginning this Monday. Uh, depending on where you live, could be the afternoon on the on the West Coast, you know, 3 to 6. Uh, out on the East Coast, he's 6 to 9. Here in the Central Time Zone, he's on from 5 to 8. My understanding on Monday, there's going to be two commercial drops, two ads. One of them is going to be a pre-recorded, and one is going to be a live uh, recording. And if you are aware of uh, how that process works, those live spots, um, Mark does those, and he also goes in and uh, on his podcast copies that you can get on iTunes, those live commercials drop in with those. Uh, so the anybody who's listening on the podcast is going to get those uh, ads we are expecting, in fact, uh, here at Convention of States, uh, we're a little bit scared as to just how much traffic we're going to get. There's been a rework of the website. There's uh, been a call out for uh, extra help on the chat mode and for following up with uh, new supporters. Uh, we are expecting um, a massive influx of reinforcements coming to the Army. We already have several hundred thousand supporters across the nation. Um, we are we don't even know what to expect yet. We had a a national call for a conference call for leaders uh, on Thursday evening, and uh, we blew up our own phone lines. We didn't have enough space uh, for all the national leadership uh, around the nation calling in. Um, so uh, it's a little scary for us, uh, but uh, it's worth saving the country. We will we will get through these issues. Uh, let's get on to our presentation. 
All right. As always, uh, we begin with Article 5 here on our presentation and the, and the text pertinent to the Convention of States and all the Article 5 uh, state movements. The Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments which shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. And on we go to uh, our resolution here, the Convention of States application. We want to highlight again that the core of this application are, are these terms. The legislature of the state of, fill in your state here, hereby applies to Congress under the provisions of Article 5 of the Constitution of the United States for the calling of a convention of the states limited to proposing amendments to the Constitution of the United States that impose fiscal restraints on the federal government, limit the power and jurisdiction of the federal government, and limit the terms of office for its officials and for members of Congress. Slide number three in our presentation. Again, just a reminder, um, these, these uh, podcasts are meant to be very dense, uh, to bring you a lot of different information. You can pick and choose which pieces you need to fill in any gaps, any footholds and handholds you need to scale that wall of Article 5 as you uh, face the challenges and the opposition to Article 5. Uh, today's presentation is really the framers, in their own words, their defense of Article 5. Let's, let's give some context again, and we're going to review the ground we've covered so far in the first uh, five podcasts we've had. Uh, episode 1 was the structure of Article 5. Here on slide 4, we looked that there's three stages to amend the Constitution. Each stage can be carried out in two ways. Those two ways can be carried out in differ only in form. The language is a parallel construction. The Congress and the states are equal, and there's no suggestion that the modes are different. In Episode 2, we looked at the crafting of the amending provision during the Constitutional Convention. We looked at the actual journal from the Convention. From May 29th through September 10th, only the state legislatures could amend the Constitution as uh, the working draft was worded. Uh, but during the last week, Congress was given exclusive authority to initiate and propose amendments, and the state's only role at that point was ratification. Of course, on September 15th, George Mason uh, voiced his opposition on one final pass through the Constitution, and he said the states would need the authority to initiate and propose through a convention, and that authority was reinstated unanimously. Slide number five. Uh, episode three is not listed here because that was just a, a recap of episodes one and two in a, in a bonus episode. Episode episode four uh, was part one of two of what did the framers know and when did they know it? Uh, as Rob Nadelson had said, the framers did not write nor the ratifiers adopt Article Five on a blank slate. The context of of the time in which they lived uh, informed them of of how they would craft and draft Article Five as it pertains to a convention and a convention for proposing amendments. We looked at some terminology they used, the word call, that was the uh, invitation to the convention. The words general versus partial. General was a call to all the states uh, or colonies, and a partial convention was one in which not everybody was invited. Those were regional. Uh, we see the words plenipotentiary versus a limited or a broad convention. Plenipotentiary means uh, 
much like the Constitutional Convention, uh, anything that was necessary for a functional government uh, was allowed to be discussed. Uh, but a vast majority of the conventions were limited in scope, one topic, uh, or they were broad in which uh, at, at least they were addressing specific issues such as uh, commerce, um, raising of funds, military um, issues. We see the word committee. Uh, which just meant the delegates, uh, the delegation from each state. And then we see the, the word commissions or credentials, and those, those were the paper, the actual documents that each commissioner, as they were called, what we, what we call delegates, the credentials they would bring, uh, informing of, of their authority they had, what they could discuss, and uh, what they couldn't discuss. In episode five, last week we looked a little further what the framers knew and when they knew it, uh, and we looked at the history of the 13 conventions, 13 of the conventions prior to the Constitutional Convention, uh, and we wanted to cover some very specific commonalities there that the framers were all aware of. The delegates always remained true to their topic. They did not stray. Uh, the suffrage of each delegation was always one state or colony and one vote. Each convention always set its own rules, and we also saw that many of the framers in the Constitutional Convention had prior experience through participation in these conventions. On to slide number six. Uh, and now we're going to look at the framers in their own words, some of the things they wrote or some of the words they spoke in speeches. Uh, and we want to begin with, uh, at the convention itself, uh, here's where a lot of opposition begins. Uh, James Madison had a couple of comments uh, during the, the last week there of the convention uh, when the convention was first considering uh, still the state process. He remarked on the vagueness of the terms call a convention for the purpose as a sufficient reason for reconsidering the article. How was a convention to be formed? By what rule was it, was it decided? What the force of its acts? He wrote that in his own notes. Again, on September 15th, when uh, May, George Mason had, had said, hey, we need to reinstitute the ability of the states to have the authority to call a convention to propose amendments. We cannot let Congress have that authority alone. Uh, Madison again raised m many of the same questions, uh, such as you know, difficulties might arise to the form, the quorum, in which constitutional regulations ought to be as much as possible avoided. So Madison's words have been used a lot here to say, look, he was concerned, but we're going to go ahead and look and see what not only he but some other of the framers said after the fact in defense of Article 5 and the ability of the states to propose amendments through the convention process. In Federalist 43, written by James Madison, Section 8, uh, he writes in his um, defense of Article 5 to provide for amendments to be ratified by three-fourths of the states under two exceptions only that useful operations alterations will be suggested by experience could not but be foreseen. It was requ requisite, therefore, that a mode for introducing them should be provided. And he goes on to state there at the end, which I highlighted here on slide 7, it moreover equally enables the general and the state governments to originate the amendment of errors as they may be pointed out by the experience on one side or on the other. Slide number eight is also from Federalist 85, this one written by Alexander Hamilton. It's the last 
of the Federalist Papers, and it's interesting that uh, this one focuses on the ability to amend the Constitution, and in this particular section, the authority left to the states uh, that they are obliged, as it says here, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the states to call a convention for proposing amendments. Uh, and Hamilton emphasizes here, the words of this article are preemptory. The Congress shall call a convention, and he states, nothing in this particular is left to the discretion of that body, and that body meaning Congress. They don't have any say-so in this. When the two-thirds of the states apply for the same uh, issue, Congress must call. Uh, and then he goes on to stay at the end, we may safely rely on the disposition of the state legislatures to erect barriers against the encroachments of the national authority. So Hamilton was stating he relied, and he and the framers were relying on the power of the state legislatures, the authority, their uh, their own self-preservation to Act, a, act as a barrier, you know, the final check and balance against the federal government. Slide number nine, this is a letter by James Madison to Alexander Hamilton. It's dated June 7th of 1788, and, and we want to understand the context of when this letter is written. I'm going to read the whole letter because it's very, very short. Um, this is during the time of state ratification conventions, and Virginia, where James Madison was a delegate, has just finished their ratification, and this he's now writing to Alexander Hamilton in New York. Uh, New York was embroiled in their own ratification convention, and here's what he states. My dear sir, this day put an end to the existence of our convention. The enclosed is a copy of the act of ratification. It has been followed by a number of, of recommendatory alterations, many of them highly objectionable. One of the most so is an article prohibiting direct taxes where effectual laws shall be passed by the states for the purpose. It was impossible to prevent this error. The minority will sign an address to the people. The genius of it is unknown to me. It is announced as an ex exhortation to acquiescence in the result of the convention. Notwithstanding the fair professions made by some, I am so uncharitable as to suspect that the ill will to the Constitution will produce every peaceable effort to destroy, disgrace and destroy it. Mr. Henry, referencing Patrick Henry, declared previous to the final question that although he should submit as a quiet citizen, he should wait with impatience for the favorable moment of regaining in a constitutional way the lost liberties of his country. My conjecture, this is Madison writing, my conjecture is that exertions will be made to engage two-thirds of the legislatures in the task of regularly undermining the government. This hint may not be unworthy of your attention. Yours affectionately, James Madison, Jr. So uh, what's going on here is Patrick Henry was, was opposed to ratifying the Constitution, uh, but he said he would submit as a quiet citizen and he would uh, address that in a constitutional way. And Madison quickly jumps to the conclusion, uh, the only obvious conclusion, the only constitutional way to address that would be to engage two-thirds of the legislatures in the task, and as he put it, regularly undermining the government. So the framers expected the states to regularly use this process to rein in the federal government. On to slide number 10, again, James Madison, and, and this one, uh, 
I call this podcast that provident article, and here's where it comes from. His his speech on the Jay Treaty, the House of Representatives, the floor of the House, April sixth, seventeen ninety six. Uh, a short section here at the at the very beginning of the Jay Treaty, where Madison quickly describes the concept of checks and balances uh, in uh, three short sentences. Wonderful section here. With us, on the contrary, although disputes of that kind are always to be regretted, there were three most precious resources against the evil tendency of them. And I highlighted in yellow here on slide 10 the first. In the first place, the responsibility which every department feels to the public will, under the forms of the Constitution, may be expected to prevent the excesses incident to conflicts between rival and irresponsible authorities. Now, what's that mean? That's the argument people will state they just need to follow the Constitution, and that means they just need to check and balance themselves. They just need to obey it, and if one one department, as they call it, a branch of government as we dis- describe it now, if one of them is out of line, the other department has the responsibility to keep them in line. But what if that doesn't happen? The second sentence here, highlighted in orange on slide 10, in the next place, if the difference cannot be adjusted by friendly conference and mutual concession, the sense of the constituent body brought into the government through the ordinary elective channels may supply a remedy. Well, here's another solution that people always propose. You don't need a convention. We just need to elect the right people. And Madison agrees with you. Just elect the right people. That is the next check and balance. If if the departments are not keeping themselves in check, highlighted in yellow there, then the next check is the people, that constituent body, the ordinary elective channels can bring them uh, into compliance. But what if that doesn't work? And if this resource should fail, there remains in the third and last place that provident article in the Constitution itself by which an avenue is always open to the sovereignty of the people for explanations or amendments as they might be found indispensable. And there it is, and Madison calls basically Article 5 and the states using that power. It's our third and last place. That's our last option is that provident article, Article 5 in the Constitution. Slide number 11. This is George Washington in his farewell address. I recommend you read that entire farewell address. Uh, Easy to find on the Internet. I have all the attribution here on our final slide. Uh, Here on slide 11, let me just go quickly through uh, the middle here of this uh, slide. This government, the offspring of our own choice, uninfluenced and unawed, adopted upon full investigation and mature deliberation, completely free in its principles, in the distribution of its powers, uniting with energy, and containing within itself a provision for its own amendment, has a just claim to your confidence and your support. And he goes on and says, just a couple sentences later, the basis of our political systems is the right of the people to make and to alter their constitutions of government. But the Constitution, which at any time exists, till changed by an explicit and authentic act of the whole people, is sacredly obligatory upon all. So George Washington, addressing the people, his farewell address uh, was actually printed in a letter, uh, an open letter in the newspaper, giving them, and a lot of encouragement through that farewell address, to be aware of the laws, be aware of the Constitution, uh, be, uh, you know, you 
follow your duty. The duty of every individual to obey the established government is, is the last words of this slide. Uh, our final slide here in this, slide 12. Uh, again, James Madison, towards the very end of his life, uh, the nation was becoming to uh, coming to be very, very divided uh, amongst the issue of slavery. Uh, there was obviously some some issues fomenting. Uh, there was talk of secession uh, and especially the concept of nullification, which uh, Madison here, in a letter to Edward Everett, uh, quick trivia, this man is also known as the man who spoke for a couple of hours at the Gettysburg Address before Lincoln gave uh, uh, spoke his uh, famous address. Edward Everett was uh, quite the orator, but this is a, a, a letter from Madison, and a very elderly Madison at that point, to a very young man at that point, to Edward Everett, August of 1830. Should the provisions of the Constitution as here reviewed be found not to secure the government and rights of the states against usurpations and abuses on the part of the United States, the final resort within the purview of the Constitution lies in an amendment of the Constitution according to a process applicable by the states. So the first part of this slide, Madison is unequivocally stating the states have that power, that is what their uh, authority is to do, not to nullify, but to apply for amendments. And then the second section here of this slide, if the doctrine were to be understood as requiring the three-fourths of the states to sustain, instead of that proportion to reverse the decision of the appealing state, this decision to be without effect during the appeal, it would be sufficient to remark that this extra-constitutional course might well give way to that marked out by the Constitution, which authorizes two-thirds of the states to institute and three-fourths to effectuate an amendment of the Constitution, establishing a permanent rule of the highest authority, in place of an irregular precedent of construction only. So there was discussion at that point, uh, kind of twisting and turning the Constitution, doing some things which... Uh, we have some familiarity with uh, this year with the Senate kind of tweaking and, and uh, twisting around the treaty clause, which required two-thirds of the Senate to approve of a treaty, and they went ahead and abdicated their own responsibility and now have given themselves uh, – it takes two-thirds of, of both houses to veto, veto-proof – uh, a treaty that they don't agree to. Uh, they were trying to do, even back then, some of those strange things to go f with nullification. And Madison's argument is, hey, if you're already getting those kind of numbers, why don't you just use the provision that's actually in the Constitution to amend the Constitution? Our final slide here, 13, is just the attribution, again, the uh, Journal of the Debates, the Federalist Papers, numbers 43 and, and 85, and the, uh, the four letters or documents that I referenced. Uh, you can do Google searches on those. I, I've given the address here on the slides. And we're going to go ahead and open up the phone lines real quick here. Again, the phone number 914-205-5632. And we're very short on time, and there's no callers in the queue. Um, let me go ahead and wrap up, uh, first of all, by apologizing for the slides. If you've been following along, I, I really wrestled with those PowerPoint slides, getting them uploaded. Um, I will uh, get the corrections made and re-edit this, uh, this stream so that you can go ahead and have the full slides. And as always, you can email me 
and request the full PowerPoint presentation. And just a quick preview for next week's episode, we're going to take a look at James Madison and, and follow the thread of his thinking uh, throughout his life from the Constitution on to the end of his life. And uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and close out the show with Madison Rising. And that's a wrap for this episode of That Provident Article. I'd like to thank Madison Rising, America's most patriotic rock band, for playing us out with the Star-Spangled Banner. Be sure to visit their website at madisonrising.com and check them out on iTunes or Amazon Music. Also, thanks go out to Mark Meckler, founder and president of Citizens for Self-Governance, and Michael Ferris, head of the Convention of States Project. And more thanks to our state leadership team here in Texas, Don Glacey, our membership coordinator, Martin Harry, our legislative liaison, Tom Dowdy, our coalition's director, and Tamara Colbert, our state director. These patriots have put in thousands of hours of volunteer time for the cause of liberty, and I count it a great privilege to work with them. Because we are the brave. Yes, we are the brave. We'll fight you in name. The name of the brave. We are the Stand in the frame, the USA.